Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast is PBA Commissioner Tom Clark. Tom, Tim Berg, and Coach K, Steve Klimkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Great to talk to you guys anytime. Well, let's begin... Tom, this is called the Storm Collegiate Spotlight, and the podcast deals with a lot of collegiate players. And let's talk with you, though, a little bit about how these players then transition onto the professional bowlers tour. So you have guys like you know Bill O'Neill, Chris Barnes, Josh Blanchard, A.J. Johnson had a great showing last year on tour. How important do you think college bowling is to the future of the PBA? Well, it's, it's extremely important. It's awesome from a lot of different uh Perspectives. Marshall Kent's another one that I'm thinking of. It was our was our current, you know, Rookie of the Year, former college player, and um, I actually gave actually gave him a, a special exemption into the World Series while he was still a collegiate player uh, a couple of years ago, um, just based almost completely on him being the Player of the Year in college bowling for a couple of years in a row, and and trying to uh, use the uh, special exemption in order to shed more light on collegiate bowling and, and, and you guys remember he actually made a show that year at the World Series and it was really cool and we went on to be the player for the Rookie of the Year last year and uh, you know him and all the different uh, players that you just mentioned A.J. Johnson especially too this year um, uh, obviously you got a collegiate player who made the the championship match of the Masters you know on what ultimately was the uh, highest rated um regular PBA show last year on ESPN and um, so to see players like that reach that level I remember when I was younger and right before uh, I actually went to, to school and bowled in college myself uh, Rick Steelsmith was the guy you know and he had made the final of the Masters uh, when he was in college and it was incredible and it was so inspiring to all of us who wanted to be collegiate bowlers to try to follow in Steelsmith's, you know, footsteps, and um, and so I know that kids like to see younger people succeed like that. So, you know, but that's very rare. I mean, you talk about some of the other players that you mentioned, like Phil O'Neill and uh, Mike Fagan. I mean, they were great college players, but it took them a long time to really establish themselves on the PBA tour because it's so difficult. I mean, it's just incredibly difficult to. Uh, to make the jumps no matter how good you are and uh, and succeed consistently on the PBA tour. Um, you know, and people like that, they, they knew coming out of college that they had to think they had a, a chance because they did so well in college. I know for me, I bowled in college. I went to school thinking that, well, it was possible I could be a PBA bowler. It was kind of a dream since I was a kid. And, and it's where I learned, though, that I wouldn't be good enough to be a pro bowler. I mean, you, you learn a lot in college, and you come up against a guy like Chris Barnes, and you say, well, I'll never be that good. You know, you, know, you can either take that and become better and, and, and dedicate yourself even more to try to get to a level of a player like that, or you just have some realizations. And it's a great place, obviously, to learn about any profession. Um, you know, but college bowling as a new farm system uh, in addition to the PBA regional program for the PBA is, is an awesome thing, you know. 
the, the kids that experience collegiate bowling have uh, perspectives on life that prepare them for anything better than if they weren't in college or didn't have that college bowling experience. And, and as you guys know, I mean, being a pro bowler is a lot more than just being able to bowl well. So um, the, the backgrounds that are shaped, um, you know, by being in college bowling uh, give you the skills to handle most things that come your way. So, so if you've got, Tom, if you've got a, a, you know, a top high school standout kind of a player, then it sounds like, yeah, you're 100% for, you know, recommending that they go through and get the, the college experience. Even if they're, you know, an amazing young talent, it sounds like you're saying there's more to, there's more to learn in college. You know, I'll tell you this, I'll, I'll admit this, and it, it makes me sound almost bad in a way, but I think there's always extreme cases, and I'll tell you, this guy, you know, everybody knows Cameron Doyle, and, you know, he is such a rare individual, <laughs> and so uniquely talented, uh, and I've watched him bowl since, I think since he was 10, and been amazed from the first ball I've seen him throw, and then seen him succeed at the PBA level, and, and all levels of bowling, and you know, he's still in high school, and and, um, and I'll tell you, when I had a conversation with him, I really thought, you know, it, that it wouldn't be a mistake for someone like him to go immediately into professional bowling in the PBA. Um, now, I don't mean that in terms of don't get a college education. I mean, I think that the way the PBA is set up right now, you can you can really you can kind of get a college education and be a pro bowler at the same time. I mean, he could compete in the World Series, he could compete in all these different events that we have and still be a college student, uh, theoretically, because I would never tell somebody they're better off not getting an education. But my point was really just on um, college bowling versus the PBA. Now, ultimately, and believe me, I also gave him the other side of things, which is the, the more traditional side of things. And ultimately, I think he made definitely the right decision. He's going to go to Wichita State and develop his, his game there. And, and I think that in almost all 100% of cases, yes, you would say go to go become a collegiate bowler, live that life, ha- learn everything you can, um, you know, and then and get the education at the same time and then come to the PBA. But you know what? There's always, there's always unique people, you know, that come along and and they're 17 years old, and they can compete at the highest level of something. And like LeBron James, you know, who would? I mean, college college basketball is the greatest thing for people, and going to college for anyone. But you know what? It didn't make any sense for LeBron James. You know, we're talking about different tax bracket here, and, and different realities of those situations, and the amount of money that somebody like him can make. But I think a guy like Cameron Doyle is like a LeBron James. They come around once every generation. Uh, Pete Weber, you know, didn't need to go to school to be one of the best bowlers in the world, but he's another one that's just a completely unique individual. Um, so, you know, I, I would never say 100%, uh, even though it's the right thing to say. You know, but I do think everybody can always make their own, can always make their own choices, and what's best for them, ultimately, is what's going to be best for, for them. Tom, the news came down a little while ago about the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo and bowling not being a part of them. What are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, well, it was really disappointing. I mean, uh, you know, uh, probably like you guys, I mean, I stayed up all night <laughs> that night waiting for the, uh, waiting for the news, um, cause we knew, you know, when it was going to happen. And even though I knew the exact hour the news was, was going to come out, I kept, I just kept searching for leaks and, and rumors and, um, all over the place from different sources. And I actually did get a rumor from a really good source, uh, earlier on in the night that was, that ultimately ended up being true. And um, so it was really disappointing and it was tough to take because it was a unique chance, you know, given the, the new rules uh, for sports to get in to the Olympics in specific cities. I mean, they changed all the rules around just before this Tokyo 2020. And, and so, you know, we know we've got a great, you know, PBA Japan is in, uh, well, I was just recently there and, and we've all been there, you know, um, spreading the uh, highest level of bowling in Japan for for a couple of decades, you know, the PBA has been there. And, and so we know that they have an understanding of the sport. And so it seemed like it's just such a unique chance to finally get in there. And World Bowling, you know, did a great job preparing uh, and making the case. And, uh, you know, clearly I believe that bowling would enhance the Olympics. But, um, but now we just got to get back up from this. And realize, you know, and this is important for me and, and for the PBA to realize that the PBA have it, it has the best bowlers in the world right now, in the best events in the world, with major television exposure, you know, and all of these things. I mean, just take the World Championship and at the World Series as an example. I mean, we're going to have 250 professional bowlers in the greatest stadium in the world bowling for the main event of the PBA World Championship that will be live on ESPN, which is the greatest sports network in the world. Um, and all of these things, all of these things, from the field to the form and the format for how they're going to get there, going to be, you know, 66 games across five different patterns, bowling against the best. And every one of those categories that make up the PBA World Championship this year are things the Olympics would have been short of. You know, the actual Olympic Games. It wouldn't have had the best field of bowling. It wouldn't have been the best format bowling. It wouldn't have had the greatest exposure, believe it or not, in bowling than, than ESPN had. And so we already have what is essentially the Olympics of bowling. And, uh, and our sport needs to make the most of that. You know, we need to double down on that. On December 17th, on ESPN, which is a Thursday night, we're going to be live from the National Bowling Stadium with the championship of the PBA and the PBA World Championship. Now, if bowling can't rally around that, you know, then it's hard to make a case for the Olympics. <laughs> so, so we need to uh, we need to prove how strong we are. Every single bowling center in the country has to have that on that night, and every single bowler in the country needs to be aware of it and watch it, be proud of it tell friends, and rally around this thing. Because what else is that? You, you know, I mean, look at, the, look at the fields that have made up the finals of the PBA World Championship over the last, you know, especially since the, the World Series started. And this is the seventh one. And every one of those stories has been amazing. They've been winners from Finland. We had Oscar win one. Dom from England won one. And, and of course, you have legends like Parker Bone and incredible stories like Tom Smallwood. And, uh, you know, we're standing here and we've got the best, the best event, the best television network live. There's no excuses. So, you know, 
yes, very disappointing that we're not in the Olympics. It would mean a lot for the game uh, worldwide. It would mean a lot for our partners in the industry worldwide to be able to to market differently to uh, people that would take a, a new interest in the game. But but we've got our own right here, and uh, so so you know I, I think we just need to turn turn to that and, and, and make the most of it. Well, that's and, and hopefully, like you like you had mentioned, Tom, as far as the uh, you know the fact that. Uh, uh, the World Bowling uh, put together a great presentation and, uh, you know, kind of keep forging ahead. You know, it doesn't mean that we're never going to get in. It just means we did get in for this game. Uh, what, what are your what are your thoughts, Tom? I know it's you, you hit on the uh, event coming up in Reno. You've got the Rock Home and Doubles coming up, too. And you also had that story came out uh, one of the major league ball players is going to be uh, entering uh, yeah. the, the World Series of Bowling, too. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, Mookie Betts, you're talking about the Red Sox center fielder. He's only 22 years old. You know, he's a young kid and, and um, he's a, he's a good bowler. He, uh, you know, I, I had seen him in an interview, um, just about baseball. And, and during that interview, he said one of his, one of his, uh, aspirations was to be in the Chris Paul celebrity bowling event. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, so that was kind of mm-hmm. my first introduction to the idea that he, you know, was aware of the PBA and that he was a bowler, but it just got me to do a little bit more research. It didn't take long to find out that he's actually really good. He's not just a, uh, you know, there's another baseball player, Brandon Phillips, who's a great, he loves to bowl and everything, but he's not, you know, uh, at the level that Mookie Betts is. And, uh, and Mookie, um, Mookie's mother is a really big uh, bowler and in uh, Tennessee, and she's been involved with the game for, for, uh, you know, 25 years running, you know, TNBA type stuff. You know, they do a charity event. I mean, she's really into bowling. So when I talked to her, it was just clear that, hey, this is going to be great. They want to be involved. I mean, they want to bowl. And so they're, they're going to be at the World Series. And it's already brought so much attention, you know, to the World Series to a wider audience. Um, you know, what was funny is we were just talking about Cameron Doyle. And, you know, the kid, you know, he's got a bowling range in his basement, as a lot of people know, in uh, Tennessee, and he lives nearby Mookie Betts, and they're friends, and Mookie was already practicing at Cameron's house, so, you know, you know you talk about, you know, a lot of people think that, uh, and Cameron tweeted about it, uh, I think last night, a couple nights ago, and, uh, you know, you hear people, and especially in this Olympic context and stuff, you know, talk about how uh, bowling doesn't have a, a cool factor, or it's not for or uh, young people aren't into it enough to get it into the Olympics, or you know, or our demographics are too old. You know, you hear a lot of that as the average age of bowlers is older. It's an old an old man sport. But you know, when you look at a photo of a kid like Cameron Doyle, who's a uh, you know a prodigy. And he's cool, and he's a cool kid on top of that. And he's like 17 years old, and he's hosting one of the rising stars in Major League Baseball in house, and they're bowling together. And this kid, Mookie Betts, I mean, I've seen him make catches over the wall, hit home runs, and, you know, uh, against the Yankees. He's got 20 stolen bases and 20 home runs, and he's going his first full year in baseball, so you know he's going to be a career baseball player. And he loves bowling enough to want to practice hard enough to get into the World Series of Bowling and, and test his skills. I mean, all this stuff is cool, okay? So anybody that wants to, you know, talk about what isn't cool, you need you need to make sure they see the stuff that is cool and talk about that, you know? So, yeah, I know. Thanks for bringing up Mookie. That's really cool. And I think it, it brings attention to the, uh, the entries to the World Series, like you're talking about. Um, well, do I think that Mookie is going to be 
you know, is going to compete for titles? No. I think just like we said, Bill O'Neill couldn't compete for titles when he first started. I mean, this is going to be his first test. You can be a great bowler. You can be a 230 average player. And if you've never bowled nine-game blocks against the best in the world under that kind of pressure, you have no idea. That's more difficult than catching a ball over the <laughs> over the wall. You know, that's more <laughs> difficult than, than hitting a home run in Yankee Stadium. You know, for somebody in, in their first time out. So I don't, I don't expect him to even come close to competing. If he did, it would be amazing. And uh, and I think that also shows just at what what level of excellence PBA bowlers are at. You know, it, it just makes me think of the other the other cliched type of criticism I've always heard about the World Series. A lot of short shorter events, and you know. When you look at the winners of every single animal pattern tournament that we've had and all the people that have made every single show, and all the people that have made shows at every one of those events, there's almost, I mean, it's like 95% no flukes. I mean, there are no flukes. When you get into that environment and you know the rules going in, that, hey, this is going to be a sprint today, you know, the, the best players uh, that day rise to the top, and they're only going to be people with extreme skills. So you'll see that, and you'll come, up, you'll come away with it. a great story to tell that a lot of people are going to are going to hear about that wouldn't have heard about the World Series because of him. So that, that's that's really cool. But, yeah, you brought up the, the Rock Holman doubles, and, and actually the um, the uh, the qualifying for that event is at the upcoming uh, Fall Classics. It's its first year at South Point. And this October, that is a great field, too. We go to PBA.com and look at the teams that are already um, ready to go. Um, great field at that event. And, and when I look at a field, the, the number one thing I look at is quality of the field and the names because that's what the PBA that's what the PBA is. People sometimes get trapped talking about lane conditions or formats or, you know, it, will, it doesn't matter if it's a quick format, a long format, uh, an easy condition, a hard condition, you know, whatever it is, what it really comes down to and what the PBA is, is the players. And if you can get by, you know, Pete Weber, if you can get by Norm Duke and Chris Barnes and uh, Wes Malott, you know, these are, these are the people, and that, that's the, the condition you face when you, when you bowl a PBA event. It's not everything else. It's those guys. And if you can you can get by them, I mean, you end up with uh, such a sense of pride and accomplishment that uh, it becomes incredibly addictive. It's, it's just so hard to do. But, uh, no, we've got some great events coming up. We're really looking forward to it. Well, Tom, I'd like to kind of end our time together talking about the PWBA just wrapped up there. Inaugural season after after a hiatus on tour. Talk about some of the you know some of the your thoughts on that. I know you guys did some great things where you you know kind of were sharing extra frame and and uh, lending out that platform. So there were some coverages that were cross promoting there and just some really seemed like some positive vibes and and the way everyone was able to work together and promote the you know PWBA events, the regional you know tours that were going on, the summer swing that was going on at the same time. And even some of the great women players that we saw, you know, former collegiate players that we saw out on tour as well. Yeah, that was exciting to watch the, the PWBA uh, relaunch. And as you know, as you remember, it wasn't that long ago that that the PBA worked to to start PBA Women's Series, and, and the PBA has always been uh, uh, really behind uh, the idea of, of women of women's professional bowling being uh, great for fans, uh, and potentially great for sponsors, and 
and just great for the game overall. And we have a large audience of, of women to begin with. And so we've, we've been involved in, in uh, and we've had so many women that now that have even won regionals. And of course, Kelly Kulik winning the tournament champions is one of the great moments in women's sports. And, and so, you know, the PBA is really uh, behind it. We were, we were in the middle of, uh, of starting a, a regional program and, and, and putting together a PBAW, we were calling it, when we found out about uh, the USBC and BPA coming together to, to start the PWBA. So so we got together and said, well, we don't need two of these, and how can we work together to make this one as strong as, strong as possible? The PBA truck was at all the stops, and... Uh, I watched every single event on Extra Frame. Uh, there were a lot of viewers. It, it helped us sustain a great coverage uh, and great uh, hours of, of professional bowling on, on our Extra Frame channel all uh, all summer. And uh, you just saw great players uh, competing at the highest level, and we see the, the pride in their um, in their accomplishments. And um, you know, and, and so many of them have ties to the PBA. Obviously, Liz Johnson has made two shows in PBA history and been a great PBA player, and she really dominated this year. And um, you know, it wasn't wasn't surprising. But uh, I enjoyed watching it from start to finish, and I know that the fans that had a chance to come out at all their stops really enjoyed it. And um, so, I, and it felt like the uh, participation, you know, from the from the players uh, was as high or over, it was larger than expected, you know, and, and that had to be a great sign. And so many young players, and like we were talking about, those collegiate players and the, the people coming out of school and, and having that summer available, they really got a chance to test where they were with their game. And you saw a lot of former collegiate champions uh, like Liz Kalk in um, winning out there on the on the PWBA tour. Uh, Stephanie Nation, Stephanie Nation Johnson had an awesome year I think she made the cut at every tournament which is incredible and she was a great collegiate player um, and you know all those years that college bowling for women you know especially with the NCAA component um, has been a, has been a, a great substitute for these years when professional women's bowling was lacking and you know and it's just been the story that they didn't really have somewhere else to go to compete and continue competing and that that competition is in their blood, and that's what they want too: is to face the best. And uh, and so to see them have that opportunity was uh, was a great thing. Well, thanks a lot, Tom. I appreciate your time, and uh, and Tim and I, we certainly look forward to having you back on again sometime in the future. And thanks for all your uh, all your insights, and best of luck the rest of this uh, rest of this year at your events. You got some big events coming up, and we'll look forward to having you back on again. All right, thank you very much, guys. Take it easy.